0: You know, there was this uh, a pastor named uh, Brian Kirkland, and he said um, this line, what goes deepest into the heart goes widest into the world. And when I heard that, um, I thought that was so true, right? What goes deepest into the heart goes widest into the world. Um, because I think it's natural for humans and for people, right, to, to share about what excites us. I know that for a lot of us, for example, when we uh, try out a new restaurant and it's like really good, we like, we blast down social media, right? We want to tell our friends. We want to just say how good it is. I know that uh, when we get a promotion at work, we try, we take out our friends, we take out our family, we go out to eat and to celebrate and just to have a good time together. I know that when we have a, when we have a baby, Right? We want to post pictures, we want to show our friends and our family so that we can share the good news with one another. It's a good thing. What goes deepest into the heart goes widest into the world. You see, in this passage, Peter, he is preaching the first sermon of the early church. And what happens, we see here, is that this sermon, it hits the people so deeply. It cuts to the heart so much that they naturally went out to all parts of the world. That for them, it hit them so deeply that they couldn't help but go out to the widest parts. It says actually at the end of chapter 2 that they were hit so deeply that they began to sell all of their possessions. They lived together praising the Lord and they lived completely upside down of the world. You know, last week we talked about The upside down process and as we were explaining it i think that it's so important for us to reiterate one thing and it is that the up process has to be the priority above everything else that our relationship with god is the most important thing What we think about the Lord, how we praise the Lord, how we worship him and how we pray to him, that has to be the first priority. And the reason why is because from our relationship with God, everything else is going to flow. I can tell you that we should love each other. I can tell you that missions is important. I can tell you that we should give offering. But none of that is going to matter if our relationship with God is non-existent the only reason why we will naturally go towards those areas, the reason why we will naturally, instinctively try to love one another and care for one another and serve is because we know what Jesus Christ did for us. And that's what it means here. And I think that's what's so important. That's really one of the the main points, I think, of, of Peter giving this sermon because we can analyze a lot of different things a lot of churches have analyzed how the early church works why did this way work for them how did they live such a radical life how did they really go in this direction you can think of all the programs and things that you can place but I think it just flows from this area they heard the sermon they were cut to the heart and therefore they lived a radical life And so, church, I I want us to really pay attention today because in this sermon, we're going to look at three parts. Because in this sermon, we're going to analyze one of the most famous sermons, right? And we're going to look at three parts. First is the message of Peter's sermon here. Second is the preacher of the sermon. And third is the heart of the sermon, okay? First is the message of the sermon. Now, what we know is that right before Peter preached this sermon, that there was this huge outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so there was this huge outpouring. People were speaking in different languages. And so Peter, he stands up because the people are wondering what what is going on, what's, what's happening right now. And he all of a sudden begins to speak about the Old Testament. Verse 16 says, But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. You see, the first thing Peter does is begin explaining everything that was happening to them right now with what had happened in the Old Testament. He was explaining the miracles that was happening right now with the prophecies that had been said in the Old Testament. And what he was saying was that all of this, everything was connected to the person and character of Jesus Christ. People were wondering, they were saying, why is this happening? What is going on here? And he's saying, no, no, look, don't look elsewhere, look at Jesus Christ. No, no, don't look at this place, look at the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's going to be your answer. You know, there's this biblical scholar named F.F. Bruce, and he wrote a commentary on this passage. And it was called simply, this is that it was this huge article but the 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 title of it was just this is that and the reason for this is because he was looking at the uh king james version of the bible a different translation of the bible and in verse 16 of that translation it says peter says but this is that which was said by the prophet joel he's saying that what joel said thousands of years ago is completely connected to what was happening right then Look, this over there is connected to that. This that's happened before is happening right now to that. This is that. In other words, Peter is saying such an important truth that Jesus Christ is the ultimate fulfillment of the Old Testament. That everything that happened in the Old Testament, the prophecies that were said, the prophets who had come from old, the stories of Moses and of Abraham, of all these people, it was all meant to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. That He is the fulfillment of everything. In fact, in Matthew 5:17, Jesus says the same thing. He says, "I have come to. I have not come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come to fulfill them. I'm not here to tear down anything that happened before. I'm here because I'm here to fulfill everything that happened. The laws and the prophecies—they're about Jesus." The Old Testament, it's about Him. This is that. And, church, this is the main message of the sermon that Peter gave. Everything is about Jesus Christ. And Peter is very clear that Jesus should be connected with everything that came before. Amen. I want to encourage you that even when you go off, when I look, when people ask me right when they move away for school or for work they always ask me how do I find a church how do I know what's the right church and look there's a lot of different churches and, and there's a lot of different different ways that you can uh, preach for example everyone has their own personality that they put in and, and those things are all good things those things are all great however Even though everyone has their own style of preaching, one thing that I always say is look at their sermons and see if they talk about Jesus. That's it. Because even if it's the most dynamic, funny, and engaging sermon, if it doesn't preach about Jesus, then it's not a Christian sermon. It needs, to, it needs to be infiltrated. It needs to be full of Jesus Christ in order for it to be a Christian sermon. Because guess what? That's what our religion is. That's what we are. We're Christians. Within even the word Christian is Christ. And at the very center of this sermon, you see Jesus Christ is proclaimed. For Peter, he's very intentional in this. And I fully believe one of the reasons why This sermon cut to the heart of so many people. One of the reasons why Peter was able to be so effective in his ministry and change the hearts of so many people was because he proclaimed the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me read to you verse 22. It says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. Peter is talking about Jesus' life. Jesus of Nazareth. What good can come from Nazareth? Well, Jesus came from Nazareth. He lived a perfect life. Peter is talking about the life of Jesus Christ. Verse 23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Peter is talking about the death of Jesus, that he needed to die, that he was nailed to the cross, that he was crucified for our sins. And lastly, verse 24, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Amen. Peter is talking here about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that not even death could hold him, that not even our sins could hold him back, that not even the nails on his hands or the thorn of crown on his head could ever hold him. See church Christianity isn't about morality, it's not about how much money you give, it's not about living a good life. It's about Jesus Christ and how he came to earth, how he lived a sinless life and yet how he died a sinner's death and yet even in that how he was able to overcome death and be resurrected. That's the good news, that's the gospel everything is about that you know there's a story uh, that charles spurgeon he told about an old minister who heard a sermon by a young man and so this young man he he preached the sermon and people really enjoyed it and and stuff like that and he came to this uh, old minister who was listening and he said he asked the man what he thought of it and the man it says took a couple minutes uh, but at last This old man said, if I must tell you, I did not like it at all. There was no Christ in your sermon. No, answered the young man, because I did not see that Christ was in the text. The old minister said, don't you know that from every little town and village in England, there is a road leading to London. Whenever I get a hold of a text, I say to myself, there is a road from here to Jesus Christ and I mean to keep on his track till I get to him. Charles Spurgeon was asked, what's the secret to the success of your ministry? And he says simply, there is no secret. All I do is preach Jesus Christ. All I do is preach the centrality of the gospel, and that is the life and the death of Jesus Christ. There is nothing else that I really do. Church, this is the reason why in this passage it says over 3,000 people came to know the Lord. It wasn't because of Peter's life. It wasn't because of his work. It wasn't because of his ability. It was simply because Peter preached Jesus. And this goes to our second point. Because I want to talk about the preacher of this sermon and that's Peter himself. We know that Peter was the one preaching the sermon because in verse 14 it says, Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Now, when it says that Peter addressed them, what that really means is not that he was just giving some formal speech, but that he was giving a spirit-filled proclamation. It meant that God was fully behind him as he was preaching that god was anointing the words that he was saying and that god was pushing the the spirit the holy spirit to really reach out and cut the hearts of the people who were there now that's interesting because there's a couple things that we know about peter number one is that he was one of the closest disciples to jesus We know that his personality was very brash, that he was very outspoken, and that he was pretty aggressive. We also know that he was faithful, that he was one of the first people to call Jesus as Messiah and Lord. However, and here's the part that many of us forget, that he also denied Jesus three times right before his death. Church, do you realize that when Peter is giving this sermon, it was probably less than two months before, two months after he denied Jesus three times in front of everybody? Think about that. God had anointed Peter to preach this spirit-filled sermon that converted thousands of people. But less than two months ago, he denied Jesus three times. And I think when we see that, gee, Peter looks like such a hypocrite. I mean, what kind of person would be so bold as to do that? How dare someone who denied Jesus so blatantly dare show his face in front of so many people and talk about Jesus? How dare he? And I know for a lot of us that sounds really harsh. But man, how many times do we do that with people within our own church? Church, do you realize that we are all broken? That we are all sinful? And yet I see so many times so many people caring more about the punishment than restoration. And yet if that was the case for us, then our path would go straight down to hell. And yet what Jesus did is that he didn't simply die only for himself or only for a select few or only for the spiritual elite. He died for every person. That even if you are broken, that even if you are sinful, that even if you are the worst of the worst, if you come before him in repentance, that he is able and willing to restore you. When we look at Peter closely, we see a man who has gone through so many ups and downs, who has been on this roller coaster in terms of his emotions, in terms of his spiritual state, in terms of all these different things. You see, we know that Peter was the first one to step out of the boat and walk on water in faith. We know that he was one of the first to call Jesus Messiah, Lord and Savior. We know that he was in the inner circle with Jesus and yet in Luke 22 it says that he denies Jesus three times and after he realizes what he did it says Peter went outside and wept bitterly. But now in Acts 2 God uses Peter to spread the gospel to thousands of people. So many ups and yet so many downs. Church, I think the Bible is just showing us that that this is what life is. That even as great as Peter was, he went through so many highs and yet he went through so many lows. And we see that even in this time, that even in this passage, that God is able to use the ups and the downs of his life and our lives to help prepare us for growth and for future ministry that he is able to use every little thing whether that is on the hills or whether that is in the valleys to be able to prepare us to serve and to love and to preach and to guide others that no matter how sinful you were even 2 months ago that he is able to use you powerfully today in a spirit filled way that's how powerful our god is that he's able to use our past sins in order to save others how cool is that and church i hope that's an encouragement to you because no ba- no matter how badly we sin that doesn't exclude you from the purposes of god He's not going to put you off away in a broom closet or away in the corner and leave you for somebody else because he's waiting in line for somebody who's willing to take up the mantle that he wants. No, no, no. His power is greater than your sin. His grace is more powerful than even what you can commit. And he is able to work his purposes even within the greatest highs, but also within even your lowest lows. Church, if God is able to remake a broken vessel like Peter to preach and teach to thousands, then how much more is he able to do in your life? You see, Peter was the preacher of the sermon. And lastly, for the third part, let's look at the heart of the sermon. Verse 37 says this, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? You see, after Peter preaches this sermon, it says that the people were cut to the heart. You know, this phrase, cut to the heart, it actually kept its meaning pretty well through the English. Because in the Greek, what it means is to have this sharp emotional pain in your heart. It's almost like having a heartburn if you've, if you've ever, you know, eaten something spicy late at night and, and something happens, right? You, you have a heartburn. And, and yet for these people here, they heard the sermon, and it says that they were cut to the heart. Other translations actually say that after the sermon, the people were deeply distressed. They said that they were convicted and So they asked what they needed to do now. So I think the question becomes, what was said that brought them so much conviction? What did they hear that cut straight to the heart? Well, we talked about it before a little bit. We know the overall reason why, and it's the message of the gospel. Is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I also believe that there's one area in particular that Peter stresses that truly had a really big impact upon their hearts. There's one place in particular that's phrased in a very interesting way that I really think cut to the heart of the people who are there listening. And it's verse 23. Peter says, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of god you crucified and killed peter says this you crucified and you killed him you nailed him on the cross and you were the one who killed him church what we know is that this can't be literal because this was pentecost and what we know is that thousands of people come from miles away just to celebrate and have a good time there And so there were many people, if not all the people who were there listening to that sermon, who were not actually there in the crowd when Jesus had died. However, Peter is saying that it was their sins that killed him. Peter is saying is that your sins are the ones that killed him. It was your rebellion against God that killed him. Peter is making sure that they realize that God died for them specifically. Peter is making doubly clear that Jesus died for them specifically. And therefore, it says, they were cut to the heart. Church, what changed about them, the reason that they were so emotionally pained and and convicted and deeply distressed is because they finally came to the realization that they were sinners that they were the ones who nailed jesus to the cross that they were the ones who killed jesus christ and church i'm going to ask you the same thing because it's related to us directly Do you realize that you were the one who killed Jesus Christ? And when we understand this, church, this is the simple truth that will convict your heart. It will cut to the deepest part of your soul, and it will cause you to live opposite of this world. It will be your realization that you are a sinner because it's only the realization that you are a sinner that you are ever going to realize that you have a need of a savior i can preach jesus all day i can talk about how good he is that he will save you that he loves you but that's not going to matter if you don't realize within the depths of your heart that you need a savior that you were the one who killed jesus church do you realize that And the beautiful thing is, is that when we come to this realization and we come before him in repentance, man, it's not just that we can run to him, it's that he will run to us. And he will come to us with open arms and he says, look, I love you and I've been waiting for you. It's the story of the prodigal son. There's a reason why it's only in Luke that he talks about it. Luke is the author of both Luke and of Acts. A story of this son who runs away from home, does all these different things, and slowly walks towards home back, that is so ashamed, and yet it was the father who ran out towards his son, embraced him with open arms, and said, I love you, I care for you, come back home. It has to directly relate to this part here. Do you realize that you're a sinner? I hope that you do. I hope that it hits you at the bottom of your heart because I hope that you realize that that Jesus is so good that, man, when you repent and go back to him, he is going to accept you with open arms and that he's going to say, I want to be with you forever. See, you see, that's what Peter is telling the people they were, cut to the heart, they were cut to the heart, and it says, what should we do next, they ask. And he says simply, repent and be baptized. That's it. That's interesting, right? Because he doesn't say, okay, that, you need to feed the, the poor, you need to give to the widows and the orphans, you need to uh, you know, set up elders in the church or, or do these one, two, and three steps. He doesn't say any of that all he says is look repent be baptized and then only a few lines down it says they just started to praise the lord and give to the poor and and serve one another naturally i think that's so cool that's how you see change happen that's how you see an upside down life that's how you see a radical church Look, no one can force you to live for God. I can try to be as persuasive as possible. That's not going to matter. No one can force you to read the Bible. No one can force you to pray or to love people or whatever. The way that those things will happen from the right heart is through our understanding that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Church, as I was preparing this message, as I came to the end of it, I was thinking about, man, what what do I need to say for application or anything like that? And there was just one word that kept on coming up in my mind. And I think it's important just to end with this. And that one word was just repent. Repent. As we think back on this sermon, as we think back on the sermon that Peter preached upon the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, of him coming to this earth, living a perfect, sinless life, And yet, for us personally, killing him, nailing him upon the cross. And yet, even in that, him still loving us, him overcoming death, and him saying, Look, if you repent, come before me. I will accept you. I will be with you with open arms. I am drawing you close to me. Be with me. That even when you run away, I'm waiting for you. Come to me when that's in the forefront of your mind and your heart, when that cuts to you, man, all I can tell you right now is repent. Repent. Go before the Lord and repent. Ask for repentance. Ask the Lord for forgiveness. Say, God, I'm sorry. I want to come back to you. I want to restart with you. I want to know you better. I want to be with you now. And so church, that's all I want to ask for you to do today. Just repent and ask the Lord and he will be like that father who sees his son off way in the distance and without a second thought runs after him, puts his robe around him, hugs him and says welcome home. I want you to be with me. Amen. Let's pray.